Hello, everyone, and welcome to podcast number seven of Hurry and Yell. Uh, This week, we're going to go over a little bit of what we got right, what we got wrong from the week before, some college football games, a couple of NFL games, kind of a slow week for both. Going to spend my minute on baseball, and then we might, uh, we have a couple of things that we want to talk about at the end of the podcast. So, this is going to be a little bit quicker than normal. But it still is going to be a lot of fun. Today we are drinking Panther Lake Porter from Silver City Brewery in Bremerton. The home of a substantial naval base and also the home of the vast majority of nuclear weapons and submarines. Terrifying. In the United States. So, it was always funny in the... uh, that movie the day after, the TV movie in the 80s about nuclear war, it was set in Kansas City, as if Kansas City would be nuked. There's a huge <laughs> naval base in Kansas City. You didn't know that? <laughs> I mean, it's literally, it's like right on the water, isn't it? Bremerton's a fine place. and uh, I yeah. have a friend that's from there. Nicole, this is for you, because I know how much you love the Silver City Brewery. So does Nicole listen to our podcast? Is she got, one, is she one of the five? She's gonna listen <laughs> to this one. Cheers. God, this is good. probably, in my opinion, the best beer we have had on this podcast. I think so too. And I'm I love Silver City beer. I love porters, but this is the first time I've had this one, and it is so smooth. It's this and the Black Butte Porter for me. I think. From the shoots. Before we get going on everything, um, I've got something to say. By all means. This is the ninth year the NBA season has started, and the ninth consecutive year, the NBA is not in Seattle. I'm just going to (laughs) sit back, and I'm going to drink the beer, and I'm going to let him go. So, uh, the Seahawks, when I was a kid... We're awful. The Mariners are just as they were now. Awful. He looked there at was me, by the one way, said that. gold standard throughout. The, the one, the most successful franchise in this city was the Seattle Supersonics. Back in the days where there were actual radios that people had in their rooms, I would sit under my covers as a child listening to the Kevin Calabro call Sonics games because it w- they were ending past my bedtime. The only sporting event I have ever shed a tear at the result for was the 1994 playoffs when the Sonics lost to the Nuggets. I was nine. It was on Mother's Day. I was at the Woodland Park Zoo bawling. So I remember <laughs> that as well. I was eight. I went out for a walk. By myself and my, well, not by myself, my six-year-old cousin followed me and it was just the two of us and we got back and my parents lit into me because I was walking by myself. And I said, but the Sonics lost. And I said, that's not a good enough reason to go for a walk with your six-year-old cousin. Well, your parents, unfortunately, Nancy and John, you're wrong. Um, My mom might listen to this. My dad has no idea what a podcast is, but my mom might listen to this. So, mom, there you go. I was right. 
Back to my rant. They left in 2008 after Howard Schultz sold the team to Clay Bennett. The NBA colluded with Clay Bennett to poison the well here and move the team. In 2012, a memorandum of understanding was signed with Chris Hansen, a wealthy venture or hedge fund manager, and the city of Seattle. In 2013, Chris Hansen bought the Kings with the express expressed con- plan to move that team to Seattle. Sacramento was in no place to build an arena and had tepid fan support. Needless to say, with David Stern strong arming and bullying because the Seattle City can't, the, the city of Seattle and Washington State hurt his feelings a few years before, bullied owners into changing their votes, eight of them, so that they would reject the sale and the move. Steve Ballmer, spurred, spurned by this decision, it said by the Clippers. The Port of Seattle, which if you put in Port of Seattle, corrupt or bribes into Google, you will be able to spend the rest of your night. And the current city council have been making this an absolute... They basically tore up the memorandum of understanding, the agreement to build an arena, because they didn't want to vacate a street. Now... Pat, if I remember correctly, Chris Hansen was going to fund this arena privately with no taxpayer money. Is that correct? Uh, that was his latest offer. His mo- his first offer was to extend the restaurant tax that was paid that was used to fund the Seahawks Stadium, which has paid off, and it was the tax was so successful that it just continued. It was the greatest arena deal ever offered to a city. The city would have made millions. But the Seattle Mariners, the Port of Seattle, and the current city council all colluded to turn down and tear up this offer. The Port of Seattle is corrupt. They want control over that area. The Seattle Mariners don't want to deal with the competition of another professional sports team because they know that with how terrible they are, they would lose fans and be in the same situation they were 25 years ago. Also, the city council changed their votes on the street vacation because of mean Twitter comments directed at one of their people. That is the reason that public policy is uh, is being shaped in that city. It's not about street vacations. It's not about the arena. It's not about Key Arena. It sure as hell isn't about basketball. (laughs) It is just political bullshit by the Port of Seattle, the Mariners, and the City of Seattle. And I will never, ever get over the fact that this team has left and they are never coming back as long as current leadership is in charge. Nine years. If you had told me it would take nine years to get a team back, it's not, it's been more than nine years. And they're fixing up Key Arena for a hockey team. Like, they think that's going to happen. It's going to be a concert venue. We all know it. They're getting swindled just like Kansas City got swindled by the same arena group. That's all I've got on that uh, next year in October. I'll check in on this. 
remember that because in a year from now, this is going to be the exact same rant, except the number nine is going to be replaced with the number 10. Um, this city, one last thing. This is one of the most vibrant basketball cities in the country. And they don't have a professional sports team. A football team is like the backbone of a city. A basketball team is its heartbeat. And a baseball team is a tepid continental breakfast at a motel. I really wish you just would have stopped after <laughs> basketball because that was very eloquently put. Um, I don't have the same love and miss for the Sonics because I'm not from the Seattle area at first. I was born and raised about 300 miles from Seattle. My first NBA game wasn't even, was after the Sonics left. I never went to a Sonics game. So I, I didn't, I don't have the same passion that he does. I would have loved to have experienced that, but literally the year I moved to Seattle is the year they left. Um, very unfortunate for me because I'm, well, sorry, the year after I moved over in 2009, they moved in 2008, but basketball is probably my, my biggest love right now as far as sports. And I would love to not have to drive three hours to go to a game. So as a Sonic fan, even though they don't exist, I will never go to a Blazers game. I will never support that team. The I-5 rivalry still lives. All right. So there you go. That is rant number one. <laughs> we have a couple more. Um, I've got one in particular about certain drivers in uh, downtown Seattle. And then I think you have another one. Or do you have you have a question about movies, you said, right? Oh, yeah. I got, yeah. If we got time, I can – that's – yeah. So this podcast, it's going to be a little bit less sports <laughs> and a little bit more – Bitching. Yeah, but you know what? Every once in a while, that's that's fine, especially with how shitty this weekend is in college football and in the NFL. Um, so what we got right, what we got wrong last week, uh, what I got right, the TCU Horned Frogs, they just keep winning. Uh, he had them, he had West Virginia winning, I think, by like four. I actually had TCU winning 34-24, and they won 31-24, so I'm going to take that as a win. Because I pretty much got that exactly right. If you're West Virginia, you're three and two. Your two losses are against a top five team and a top 20 team in Virginia Tech and TCU. And you're unranked, both in close games. Yep. That's ludicrous. And what, at least one of them, if not both, were on the road. Well, one was neutral sec. So neither one of them was at home. Exactly. Otherwise... Morgantown, West Virginia would not have allowed those results to stand. Um, what I got wrong, the Detroit Lions, man. I, I, I thought the Lions were going to win comfortably, and Carolina just beat the hell out of them. That's the Carolina team that made the Super Bowl. Um, their defense is looking decent. Their Cam's doing what Cam does. They're finally starting to use McCaffrey a little better. As of this recording, the game is going on between them and the Eagles. Um, it was a close game last time I checked, and I think the Eagles are a very good team as well. So the Panthers, Eagles are winning. the Eagles are winning, but it's a close game, right? Yeah. So yeah, the, the Panther, this this it wouldn't be a close game, but they've had two turnovers in this inside 
their own 20-yard line. The Panthers at? Yeah. So they should be winning? Yeah. Okay, there you go. The Panthers. Keekly's got another concussion, so the he might be done. today. He might be. That's his, what, third concussion in the last three years? You know, and, you know, football's a dangerous game, but don't tackle with your head, and you won't get a concussion. Just, he comes up, he doesn't get his head across, he just squares up and tackles the guy with his head. And everyone goes, ooh, what a hit. And then they're wondering why he's getting carted off with a concussion. So I was on a YouTube uh, watching binge last night. And I got into uh, Rudy and Invincible. And YouTube has <laughs> YouTube has the real-life Vince Papali making a tackle on a punt. Oh, my God, how his spine didn't collapse on every time, every, apparently he did this every every time he he ran he ran down for a punt. He literally just lowers his head, does not look at what he's hitting, and just drives head first. I am shocked. I mean, I guess he didn't play that much, but with the way he hit, I am surprised that he didn't hurt himself more. It was a different game back then. It was. It was. There's a lot less Vince rules. Pasoli, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, who played Dick Vermeil in that? Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear. I would never have guessed Greg Kinnear. He looked a lot like him, too. He didn't cry like he did, but... No one cries like Vic does. Nope. No one does. So, as far as what I got right, Jacksonville and Pittsburgh and my upset pick. Pittsburgh is dwindling. People are calling for Mike Tomlin's head. That's just, that's not, uh, I don't think that that should be the case. Uh, Roethlisberger, I think he's checked out. Uh, under Bill Cowher, every now and then, they would just have a stinker of a year. And then they rebound. That's just the way they go. That's how they scout. That's how they develop talent. Some years it's lean, some years it's not. And I think this is a lean year for the Steelers. And Jacksonville's defense is just taking over games. You look at Blake Bortles' stat line, you would have thought he would have lost the game. Less than 100 yards passing. Like that that team, that defense, if they stay healthy, is going to be ferocious. I like what Jacksonville's doing. Uh, I think that that division is winnable, especially now um, that J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless are both out. Uh, Marcus Mariota is not healthy. Yeah, it's wide open. It you is. You see Jacksonville in the playoffs is like a 9-17. and 17. Yep, and they, they, they're going to be in most games because of that defense. I, I, I don't see any team really blowing them out with the exception of what Tennessee did to them, but I think that was an aberration. Um, I agree with that. So what I got wrong, Utah and Stanford, I thought Utah would show up. Uh, Stanford's, you know, if they, if they started the season in October, Stanford probably have a national title by now, but it takes a little while to get going. Stanford has a great, is in a great position to play spoiler right now because they only have one conference loss. In great position to win their division. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, everyone's talking about how the Apple Cup could be a college football playoff game, play-in game. I know there's still the Pac-12 championship game, but ESPN 710 here in Seattle is going bananas about the possibility of an 11-0 WSU team against an 11-0 UW team. 
WSU doesn't match up very great with Stanford. I disagree with that. We'll talk more about that once that game actually comes on November fourth, because we're gonna we're gonna be probably disagreeing about that game a little bit. And then UW plays Stanford down there. I know Stanford usually doesn't have a great home field advantage because no one shows up to those games, even though that has been a good football team for a long period of time. UW hasn't won down there since 2007. So, I mean, I think that it's going to be a very interesting three-team race in the Pac-12 North. And I read something uh, yesterday where they said the Pac-12 North is the best division in all of college football, better than the SEC West with Alabama and Auburn, better than the Big Ten East with Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, better than the ACC, whichever division it is that has Clemson, Florida State, and NC State. The Pac-12 North is getting a lot of love. Uh, I, I mean, I think I still think the Big Twelve, the Big Ten division, is a little bit stronger. Oregon State is awful. Their coach quit this week. Uh, it just goes to show. And I wrote an article last summer about this. The staff that you hire is so important. Uh, he had to replace his defensive coordinator after one year because he got a head coaching job. The offense has been. It's. It is obvious that there was a disconnect there with the scheme and the coach, and uh, he didn't want to fire everybody and start over. It was just going to be his fourth year, and he didn't want to start over. But t- so turning down twelve million dollars, that he was paid more at Wisconsin. He left Wisconsin because it wasn't the. He didn't want to be Barry Alvarez's crony, which is what you have to be when you're there. He's not going to touch the facilities. He's not going to do anything. He's going to be like, oh, well, I won here 15 years ago. And so he got fed up. So he wanted to grind it out in Corvallis, which it's, it was a bad time. Speaking of Wisconsin, one of my least favorite coaches in all of college football used to coach at Wisconsin. That would be Brett Bielema at Arkansas. Um, I love the fact that he has literally done nothing the last five years and they play Alabama this week. So they'll probably lose that game by about 40. And he has the highest buyout in all of the sec. He has a $15 million buyout just for him, not his staff, just for him. He is, and it's something about fat coaches. They must have good agents. Charlie Weiss. I think he's still getting paid by Notre Dame or Kansas or both. Um, Charlie Weiss is still the highest paid in uh, Notre Dame staff member, or used to be staff member. They're yeah. still paying him. Kansas still paying him. I think Florida was paying him for a while. So, um, Bielema, you can't play just – this isn't the 60s. I went on this random battle at LSU, and sure enough, sure enough, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, you just you got to be more creative than that. That's all I'll say right now. Agreed. Okay, so now that we talked about what we got right, what we got wrong last week, we're going to get into a few college games, starting with Auburn and LSU. I'm going to let you talk about this because you were the one who said LSU needs to run, needs to motion, needs to run different plays than what they've been doing so far this year. It occurred to me today, yesterday, that one of our five listeners uh, may not understand why it's important. 
And I'll get to that in a minute. First play of the game. This is the first second play of the game against Florida. LSU does a formation shift. They, they switch the tight ends. And then they bring a receiver in motion. So that's two shifts. It's a fly sweep. Receiver in motion gets the handoff. He gets 30 yards because Florida is late to adjust. That's a late adjustment. LSU's first touchdown on a jet sweep. Exactly. So what makes it complicated is when a defense lines up, they line up in a certain way with their assignments or certain way based on the strength of the formation. Anytime that you switch a formation, you switch a tight end to one from one side to the other, you bring a guy in motion, you bring somebody across the formation, whatever it is, that makes the defense have to switch. That's 11 guys seeing the same thing and knowing exactly what their assignment is based on that change. In college, it's a lot more difficult for kids to process that information, especially as quickly as LSU d- did it with the quick motion and then a, a sweep motion going the other way. So my guess is LSU is going to continue to add those in. They add, threw in a couple last week. They'll probably throw in some more, continue to layer in the offense. Auburn's got a great defense. A well-coached defense, a really good defense. I still think LSU wins this game. By the way, we're going to talk about this a lot in the next few minutes about all of these college football games. But if this was 2009 to 2011. Or even 2005 with Auburn. This yeah. would be one of the better weekends of college football this year because of all the games that we are going to get to. Now, it just so happens that a lot of these teams that have been good the past decade or so are down this year or are not as good as what people thought or what they used to be. So because of that, there are no ranked games this week, but there's a lot of intrigue and there's a lot of teams that had this been a few years ago, this would have been a great weekend starting with Auburn LSU. Um, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Oh, I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean obviously. This was th- th- weren't these two teams the ones that played to 7-3? to three? 2006, yeah. I kid you not, that was one of the most entertaining college football games I have ever watched. That game was proof that you don't need to score for the game to be entertaining. Those teams were hitting the crap out of each other. And it was 7-3, to three, but it was a fun game to watch. It was thrilling. It just came down to last play. It was great football. I'm going to pick Auburn to win this. I'm going to pick – neither team is going to get to 20 points. I'm going to say it's going to be something like 17-9. to nine. I don't think LSU is going to get in the end zone. Um, they're going to have a couple of stupid turnovers because they're LSU. They're going to have a penalty that's going to knock them away from a first down and force them to kick field goals. I'm going to say 17-9 to nine, Auburn wins this game in another slugfest. I could see that. But I think it's going to be 10-7 LSU. I love it. I hope I, it is. I Trust me, so do I. I can't wait to watch this game. I'm sure that it's going to be on CBS, which is one of the three it channels is. I get. It's the big SEC game of the week. So Another game that in the past would have been very entertaining, Ohio State-Nebraska. If this game had been played and scheduled in 1995 – it would probably have been gone down as the greatest football game ever played. When this 
95 Nebraska is probably the greatest football team ever. This 95 one, Ohio State was loaded. So whenever we drive to Pullman, inevitably the question comes up of 95 Nebraska or 2001 Miami. Every single time we drive over, we talk about position by position. That's something that we talk about a lot. I'm sure we're going to talk about it on this podcast at some point as well. Most dominating team I've ever seen. It's there. Every game they played is on YouTube. If you're a real nerd, that's all you. That's all you need to know. Miami's on YouTube. 2001. Most talented team ever. Best team ever. 95 Nebraska. Uh, but this game is not played in 1995. Ohio State's going to win this game by 40 points. Sorry, Grandma. Nebraska is... Uh, they suck. That's all I've got to say. I think Mike Riley is gone after this year, honestly. I hear there's a job opening in Corvallis. <laughs> I was going to say, it wouldn't surprise me if you went back to Oregon State. Um, yeah, Ohio State's going to roll in this one. But this is just another game that we wanted to talk about just because... You know, if this was a decade ago, it would have been a very entertaining game. Which I think brings us to Oklahoma and Texas. You know, I, I think that a decade ago, this would have been a very entertaining game as well. 2007 Oklahoma, 2008 Oklahoma, and Texas. Those were great. Sam Bradford great versus Colt McCoy. That's football. Yep. Uh, once again, those games are on YouTube. I've watched them. Uh, Oklahoma's line in 2008. One of the best offensive lines in I've ever seen in college football. It's the reason why Bradford won the Heisman. That's true. And uh, DeMarco Murray made so much money. And uh, Jermaine Gresham's still in the league somehow. That's true, he is. Uh, in fact, I started him in fantasy football last week. So somehow I won. I, I don't know how I won. I shouldn't have, but. This game is my upset pick of the week. Oh. Oklahoma, shame on you, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I am not surprised at all that Iowa State was in the game, especially when I saw their starting quarterback was out. Uh, I watched them play Texas last week, and they would have beat Texas if not for their quarterback throwing it into the sixth row every time he had to throw it outside the hash marks. Um, that said... Uh, Mike Stoops, this is his last year coaching defense at Oklahoma. I guarantee you Lincoln Riley gets rid of him at the end of the year. They lost that game because he couldn't adjust. Nothing more than that. He could not adjust. That's a classic Mike Stoops thing. Texas is going to come in. Oklahoma's feeling wounded. Texas is feeling good about themselves. They're competitive. They're playing better. They're playing physical football. They're not going to lose this game. They'll lose to freaking Kansas, maybe. They'll lose some Baylor, some game you do not think. But Baylor they, almost got Oklahoma. Exactly. Um, uh, but they're, they're gonna they're coming in and they're gonna be revved up and they're gonna win this game. I want to know the last time Oklahoma lost two games in a row. Actually, never mind. No, I don't because I just thought of it. It was the first two games of last season. Never mind. Uh, but I I think Lincoln Riley. Well, that was just a complete misfire <laughs> on my part, but. I think Lincoln Riley is going to have these boys ready to play. Oklahoma is definitely the more talented team. And, yeah. It's, I don't even know if I agree with that statement. Better football players or better athletes? Better football players. Okay. Better football players. Texas, for whatever they've done the last five years, has always had athletes. 
They've also, even they're really bad teams. Char Charlie Strong won this game twice. I don't know how, but he did. Well, last year it was because he was trying to save his job. Or two years ago it was because he was trying to save his job, and it did work In his for first him. year, I think, it was just trying to save his job. <laughs> um, I think I think Oklahoma's going to win this game. I think it's going to be tight. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Texas won. I think Lincoln Riley is going to have them ready to go. And I think Baker Mayfield is going to pull something out of his ass to help. Oh, like hold on to the ball for 11 seconds. We're taking a sack like he did last week. Well, that said, Lincoln Riley's been coach Oklahoma for 20 more years. He's going to be there forever. He's, well, a, he's a good coach. I, I, I agree. And uh, the Mike Leach tree continues. He's just got to get his guys in there at, on staff. Um, well, you said your upset pick. I'm a little bit miffed about my last two upset picks because they have been awful with Oregon, Cal, and with Boise State, BYU. Um, this been one, pretty bad. They've yeah. been really bad, I will be honest. But I'm trying to think outside the box. I'm going to think outside the box on this one as well. Two and four, Pittsburgh at home, well, at Heinz Field against five and one, NC State. NC State might have the best individual defensive player in all of college football in Bradley Chubb. It's a great name. He's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft next year. He wreaks havoc. But I just have a weird feeling that this is a game NC State would lose. I mean, they're a top 20 team right now. When was the last time they were ranked in the top 20? Probably when Phillip Rivers or Russell Wilson was there. No, they never did get that high with Russell. Okay, so then probably when Philip Rivers was there. The Chuck, yeah, or Charlie Whitehurst. Who's Clemson? Oh, you're right. That Clemson jersey at the, <laughs> in Moscow. Anyways. Uh, I actually think you're right. Uh, I think I'm not going to co opt your upset pick. NC State's front four is legit. They've got a lot of talent on defense. The thing is, Pittsburgh makes you throw the ball. If you can throw the ball, you can beat him. If you don't, you don't. I don't think NC State can throw the ball. This is this could be another game that's like ten to seven. Yep. Um, it, like I said, since it's in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is the team that I'm rolling with for my upset. Um, another game that for a while was the best game in the Pac-12, and has kind of fallen off because one of the teams has fallen off is Oregon against Stanford. Uh, Oregon got beat up last week by that Coug defense. When you were talking about defensive coaches, by the way, and coaching staffs, the Cougs are a perfect example. They brought in Alex Grinch, and Mike Leach just said, this is yours. Do whatever you want. And he has turned that into a legitimate college football defense. First time in Mike Leach's career that he has a legitimate college football defense, which is why they're 6-0. Yeah, I think Oregon really kind of made constipated their offense a little bit. Wazir's offense. Like, Jim Levin knows what to do. And yeah. I said it last week. He knows how to stop it. Uh, Alex Grinch replaced Mike Bresky. Mike Bresky, anytime they give up 60, 50 points, he'd just be like, oh, we need better players. We just need better players. Alex Grinch has never said that. He's learned on the fly. He's never been a coordinator before. He's come in, and he's done a great job. I think Oregon is actually in good shape to make this a game. 
against Stanford. I think that their defense got better in a hurry, as was evidenced last week. And they're kind of physical up front, which I didn't expect. They have a good offensive line. They have a good offensive line, and so they're they're fat. They, they made them fat. You don't go to Oregon fat. They don't recruit you if you're fat on the last staff, but they're fat, and they were out of shape last week. They were gassed by the end of the game, and that's where they didn't score a point in the second half. Stanford is not going to wear them down like that, and they're going to. It's going to be a physical football game. It is, which Oregon Stanford usually it was size against speed. Now you've got size against size. Uh, I think Stanford is a little bit better equipped for the size versus size game because they've done it for so many years, and that's why I think Stanford is going to win. I think the game is going to be closer than the Oregon WSU game last week. Yep. But I think Stanford at the end is going to win. Twenty to seventeen. Uh, it depends on if Oregon will let Burmeister throw the ball. The kid, the kid made a couple of good throws in the first half. I think they handcuffed him a little bit, and I, I want, think they did too. I, I don't, I don't think that coaching staff did him any favors. Absolutely not, and it doesn't help that they were without their their best receiver, and that. Um, Royce Freeman also wasn't a hundred percent. I think you're Oregon. You got five stars coming behind five stars. Injuries, shoot injuries. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I don't think I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring game. Uh, I think it's going to be in the thirty to twenty four range. But I uh, I think Stanford's going to win a game that's closer than what most people think. Is there? Oh, we also this week um, we have Tennessee and South Carolina, <laughs> a game that uh, just a quick thing in this game because trying to get through all of this these dud games. Um, this another game would have been great ten years ago. Uh, Butch Jones is a walking laughing stock right now. He said in his press conference this week that. You don't have to get a physical rep during a game. You can get a leadership rep. No one knows what that means. I don't know what it means. I don't think Bush knows what it means. This but- guy knows everything. The guy who's talking right now <laughs> literally knows everything about college football and football in general. He has no idea what that means. That's all you need to know. I do know that South Carolina is sneaky good, and they're going to beat Tennessee. Can South Carolina give Clemson a game at the end of the year? No. So they're not that <laughs> sneaky good. They're sneaky good, and then there's elite. Okay. What else? We, I mean, we got Utah, got, Utah, yeah, USC. Uh, Sam Darnold calls out his play caller about time, but uh, they're going to win this game. I think once you shoot Utah's legs out a little bit, they take a couple weeks to recover. I think Utah's going to give them a game for the first three quarters. USC is going to pull away late. I think. Yeah, I, I think know. Utah's going to is going to try and stay physical. And I think I think Utah is going to wear themselves out. Honestly, I think they're going to come out too fast, too hard, and then they're going to wear themselves out by the fourth quarter. I just passed up a bunch of jokes. Um, okay, I think that's. I mean, okay, our our uh, Wazoo is playing Cal tomorrow night. Cal's. Uh, Back to what we thought they would yeah. be at the start of the year. Conference play starts. You get some injuries. Teams figure you out, and you're done. Wazoo's going to win this game by 25 points. Agreed. 
uh, I'm off the Cal bandwagon. Um, this year. This, this year. year. We'll reconvene We'll reconvene the bandwagon in August. When Bo Baldwin <laughs> is probably actually going to be the one who's the coach at Oregon State. That's that's my prediction. Bo Baldwin will be the coach at Oregon State. Jonathan Smith, former Oregon State quarterback and offensive coordinator of the Washington Huskies, will be the head coach. He basically said as much when he said, I'm just focused on the team next week. So <laughs> just like that, we, would, that would, I'd be flattered, but that's basically saying, please offer me the job. We are writing this down right now. Pat says Jonathan Smith. I say Bo Baldwin. Um, Dark Horse is Mike Riley. <laughs> for his, what, fourth stint? Uh, so, yeah, we will reconvene uh, once they hire a coach in probably January or February. Last week in November, it's going to happen right back then. That it's going to be Jonathan Smith? In the last week in November, they'll make a hire. I'm writing it down. You can't wait till January. Recruiting. That's true, especially with the early signing period this year. Is there a single NFL game this week worth talking about? No. But honestly, the only one was tonight. Okay. Well. The Eagles-Panthers game probably was the one, only one worth talking about. I mean, looking at the schedule, it is just brutal. I mean, pulling it up right now. But you've got Miami-Atlanta. which Garbage. Green Bay-Minnesota. New England and the Jets. The Jets are somehow three and two, but that team still isn't any good. You've got the Niners and the Redskins. You've well, I mean, rather than naming another dozen games, I'm going to name the one game that's probably going to be the would would be the one we would talk about. Rams Jaguars. <laughs> I'd rather talk. First of all, okay, Jags are going to win that game, and Goss going to throw at least three picks. Okay. Seahawks showed how you beat the Rams. You load the box. You stop Gurley. You get around Goss' feet. Game over. And yet they were still literally millimeters. By the way, as a Kook fan, I've already had nightmares about Cooper Cup the last year. As a Seahawks fan, if he would have made that catch, it just would have been even worse. He's a good player, and he ran a great route. It was a great pick by the Rams to pick him up in the first place. And just Goff just threw it a little bit hot. Got to put just a little bit of air under that it. That position on the field with that much time left, you're always going to see four verticals called. Always. Always, always, always. And that's what happened. So what is the game that you want? You don't want to talk about? I don't, I don't have any NFL game I want to talk about. I want to hear. I've got, I've got some other things to talk about. But your uh, you got some issue with Seattle traffic. I do. I'm going to talk about my minute on baseball first. So oh, give me the yes. clock oh, because I'm going to give you 90 seconds because I got 30 seconds to go over. You do, and actually, I was going to bring that up in my minute. So um, yes, I have something to do to talk about with uh, Seattle uh, transportation uh, here in a minute. Stopwatch, ready, set, go. Uh, it looks like I'm going to go one for four on my division picks. Uh, and, and the one that I got right is the first one that was done. The Astros over the Red Sox. Um, I think everyone saw that coming. The Red Sox fired their manager the day after they lost, despite making the playoffs. Just, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't know who they're going to try and get. Um, it's going to be interesting. I could see them. Actually, I have no idea who the Red Sox are looking at. 
my World Series pick, the Indians, lost to the Yankees. I'm going to give him a few seconds to talk about that because I know he wants to and he deserves it. Uh, the Dodgers just took over the Diamondbacks. They looked like the Dodgers from July and June as opposed to the Dodgers from August and September, which were beatable. Um, and then as of us talking right now, the Nationals are getting their ass kicked by the Cubs, and the Nationals have just looked horrible tonight. Time. Okay. Uh, Yankees won because that's what Yankees do. Winning organization as long as Joe Girardi is managing that team. They're going to bleed you and bleed your bullpen with long at-bats. And that's what they did. Uh, Brett Gardner, three, games three to two. Bats. He takes, what, 17 pitches? Fouling off, fouling off. The guy has thrown everything he's got him. His curveball, his splitter, his slider, his fastball, inside, outside. Yeah, I watched it because I wanted to be right. And then he, he hits, just gets the timing down, hits it. That's classic Joe Girardi Yankees. Uh, I don't know if they're going to go to the World Series. I mean, I think that was my pick. It was. But, but you uh, have a better chance of, of, it, of picking it than me. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Oh, yeah. What is that, a ticket? This is not a ticket. In fact, <laughs> it says right on the brochure, this, this is, is not, not a, a ticket. ticket. Okay. So, first of all, I'm going to start by saying I know I was breaking the law. I know that. Okay. So, every once in a while, I, when I'm getting into, getting on the freeway, drive in the carpool lane on the on-ramp to get on the freeway by myself because literally there is no one in the carpool lane and there were about there's always about 30 cars i'm gonna just interject right now i'm gonna interject right now okay so backstory here we used to live together we you worked in seattle i worked in bellevue we both took the same on-ramp you pulled this shit for years i still do i did it Three times, and I got a hundred and twenty-four dollar ticket. So don't what if you're gonna? I don't know what you're gonna complain about, but you owe somebody a hundred and twenty-four dollars. Okay, first you, of all, I, I'm not gonna scofflaw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna complain about getting it if I would have gotten a ticket, which I didn't. I got something in the mail which says HLV infraction notice. Now, what I'm gonna complain about is the first line where it says. A concerned motorist called us because they believe you were using the HOV lane illegally. That is the first line. Now, first of all, Seattle Department of Transportation, there is no way that that is a concerned motorist. They are not concerned about shit. They are pissed off that I am using the lane and driving past them. So get over your get off your high horse. And stop thinking that it was a concerned motorist who's concerned. What would, what would the concern be? There would be. They're, they're not concerned. They're just pissed off that they didn't do it. Okay. So that was my main rant. Was the fact that someone called me in. Would you ever. If you saw someone driving by themselves in the carpool lane. Would you call it in to 206-337-HERO. Which by the way. Is the actual phone number. That is the actual phone number. I would call you are a under, hero. under one circumstance if they're driving a 50 in the carpool lane. There's no one in front of them. If they're just driving lollygagging, there's only one person and they're slowing up everybody. 
and they're a solo driver, maybe I'd be a hero. I get How pretentious, <laughs> though, that the literally the four digits is hero. Like, Seattle, come on. You're not being a hero. You're just being This is okay. Petty. This is statewide. This is not Seattle. This is statewide. Nowhere else other than the Seattle area. Okay, the Seattle area, because I see it on 405 all the time. At no one else other than, than Seattle, Bellevue, and Everett a little bit. Are there even carpool lanes? Or down in down here in Auburn. But basically western Washington within like a 30-mile radius. Nowhere else are there even carpool lanes. There's no carpool lanes in Spokane. So because yeah, no one lives in Spokane. Spokane traffic is not great. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm it's sure, nothing compared I'm, to this. Yeah, I'm sure it's terrible. It's nothing compared to this. There's stoplights. You poor guy. Anyways, <laughs> it's it's more the fact, first of all... No, no, I get, I, get, I get why you're outraged. Because some jackass was like, oh, he called you in. But I'm more it was, mad. It was a tattletale. It was, but I'm more mad at the actual Seattle Department of Transportation for the line a concerned motorist. They are not concerned about anything. I mean, just just say say it for what it was. If you want to go on a rant about the Washington State Department of Transportation, we'll have to set aside two hours, and I can spend an hour and 15 minutes of complaining about the express lanes. The $10 express lanes? No, those are the toll lanes. The express oh. lanes, you're trying to go to a game on a weeknight, and they don't adjust them. Yeah. Um that was my rant. Okay. That's what I wanted to get off my chest. I got a couple things to say real quick. I'm going to hold one of them off until later. But, okay. USA Soccer. Missed the, miss the World Cup. For 25 years now, I've been hearing about soccer as a growing sport in this country. Uh, soccer fans are pretentious. They're arrogant. and Especially here in Seattle. General douchebaggery. About how, how beautiful the game is. Well, guess what? Your game sucks. Because you've had 25 years of youth programs trying to teach these kids how to play soccer. Athletes is not the problem in this country. Yeah, if you You've can't got find plenty athletes. of athletes. It's teaching from the ground level and up. All these people that claim to enjoy soccer, that love soccer. The girls are teaching it right. But the arrogant douchebags that are teaching soccer at all levels. And they're only in it for You the money. can't beat Trinidad and Tobago. You can't even tie them. You lose. You're in a position. You're even in a position that a loss knocks you out. Uh, that's embarrassing, and I don't even like soccer. Uh, well, we got, what are we at, 47 minutes? 47. Okay. Five minutes on the following topic. I was watching Die Hard. <laughs> I know exactly where he's going with this. This has been one of our biggest debates right up there with Crunchy or Puffy Cheetos. I've also been slowly working my way through the Harry Potter movies. God damn it. Patrick. So you may wonder what constitutes a holiday movie. Is the presence of a holiday celebration in a movie making a holiday movie? Is it the fact that it's set on a holiday? Does that make it a holiday movie? Is it the theme of the movie? 
So is Die Hard, a movie with a body count, I think, in the 20s, uh, with terrorists, cocaine, uh, execution-style murders, and Valentino suits. Is that a Christmas movie? I have gotten into this argument so many times with so many different people because apparently I'm the only one who thinks this. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And I I am of the belief on what you just said, on what constitutes a Christmas movie, it is the theme. It is the theme of Christmas. The movie revolves around Christmas. And that is my opinion. I'm, okay, I'm, Elf, play, I, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Elf I'm, is I'm a Christmas movie. I'm playing devil's movie. advocate because you look at Christmas movies and the theme is often family and reuniting. Right. Which the end of Die Hard is about family and reuniting. But that's just the end of the movie. The entire movie. I agree with you. I completely agree with you. I feel like people that say Die Hard is a Christmas movie probably have American flag underwear and, uh, you know, like drink Bud Light or Budweiser and that kind of thing. So, but that brings us to Harry Potter. Not a Christmas movie. It has one Christmas theme. It has one Christmas scene in the movie. It takes place from July to May or June. From before the school year starts. It, but it's a movie of friendship and fellowship. True. And kindness. But that did that all did not happen around Christmas time. The one there's one scene in basically the entire series where there's Christmas trees. And because of that scene and because ABC Family or Freeform Network wants to put Harry Potter on as much as possible, they say it is a Christmas movie. It is not a Christmas movie just because it has a scene from Christmas in it. I'm glad that you agree with me on this. Now, here's something I was tussling over. Silver Linings Playbook. Have you seen that movie? I have. It ends around Christmas time. I love that movie. It's a wonderful movie. It is about love and family more than anything else. It's a little bit about dancing. It's a little bit, a bit about mental illness, but it's really about love and family. Is that a Christmas movie? Again, I'm going to say no. Because for me, a Christmas movie is the theme of Christmas. So just just so I want to clarify this. I'm going to bring up a movie here in a second. And I want to get your take on it because it revolves around the Christmas it'll, it'll season. Fire, fire okay. I'm, I'm listening. It revolves around the Christmas season and it definitely has a Christmas theme. But there are certain aspects that would make it not a Christmas movie. And that would be Love Actually. Is Love Actually a Christmas movie? I actually say yes because it revolves around the theme of Christmas, but there are people who would say Love Actually is not a Christmas movie. That is, yeah, see, think about that one. Um, I mean, because you have so many scenes that are about Christmas, right? You've got the whole thing with the I would present. Say, I would say it's about, it's, it's, uh, it is a Christmas movie. By the way, let's think about the movies we have just mentioned. Die Hard, Harry Potter, Love Actually. What do they have in common? All three, Alan Rickman. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Well done. Well done. Well, Bring up Alan Rickman. Hans Gruber, best villain, one of the best villains ever. 
top five. Back to this whole thing. Love actually I hesitate on because if you're really talking about Christmas, you're talking you got some Christmas folklore lore involved. You got some Christmas presents. There's Christmas presents. You've one got, of the one of the biggest scenes is him giving a Christmas present to his secretary that his wife thought was for him or is for her. But that's terrible. That's the saddest plot line in the whole movie. It is. It absolutely is. But there are Christmas no presents. Christmas there. The very first the very first I scene I feel a lot of Christmas. The very first scene is a Christmas song. Okay. Well, it's an yeah. I guess so. I mean, and then you've got the whole scene with the caroler. Have you seen this movie more than I have? Is this a round count you've seen more than me? I watched it like two weeks ago. Okay. So that's probably why it was fresh on my mind. The first time I watched it was like three years ago, and I've watched it every Christmas since. So. I watched watched Hitch, and I watched Love Actually. It's a wonderful life. Christmas movie? It's snowing. I would, There's oh, angels man. involved. Oh, man. And the last scene. It's about scene, Christmas. The last scene. Because it's about Christmas. I say it's a Christmas movie. There you go. I agree with you. Elf is yes. about Christmas. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is a Christmas movie. Yes. One of the best. Yes. The Santa Claus, of course. If you're into the, the Christmas folklore, I think that you definitely fall in that umbrella. But things that are set around Christmas, you got to be pretty damn chipper. To pull to for me to say it's a Christmas movie, yeah, and that's why Love Actually. I know it ends happy, kind of. There was such, uh, granted, it's a wonderful life. There's such misery involved too. But then again, you had angels. You throw in the spiritual or the magical, and that's a whole other thing. That whole movie was revolved around an angel, so yeah. because of that, it has to be a Christmas movie. Okay, well, I think that we have reached. An agreement on that one. I think that we're on the same page. It just drives me nuts. I uh, thought we would be completely at odds about that. I thought for sure you thought Die Hard was a Christmas movie. Given my fanaticism in this, you know, this family's fanaticism about Christmas, you really think that terrorists and blowing up a building, I call it Christmas movie. I thought we had had this conversation. You had, you had it blows. with our basketball writer. Okay. Okay, I knew I had it with someone from here. Okay. So that's going to be it today. I hope you enjoyed our abridged sports but mainly ranting podcast. Uh, thank you very much to Silver City Brewery for your, this delicious porter. They didn't send it to us, but we're going to thank you anyway. Yes, we're going to thank you for making it so I can buy it. And uh, we will see you guys next week.